Welcome to another episode of the Wild Strength Podcast, where we talk about all things wild and all things strength related and really everything in between. This conversation today is really the everything in between part. I have my good friend Dave Terry on here. Um, I know him through coaching and through strength and conditioning, um, and we get into some really heavy stuff here. Dave starts off talking about um, just how he got into coaching and strength and conditioning and kind of what that's meant what's what that means to him um and, and the role that that has played in his life uh we talk a little bit about how just training in the weight room can transfer into all aspects of your life um and then really the biggest longest part of this conversation and and kind of the overall gist of this conversation today um is just being vulnerable and having the hard conversations and we get into the heavy stuff both literally uh, uh, when we talk about the weight room and figuratively um, when we talk about life and mental health and all of that and and specifically being vulnerable as a male and, and how important it is to have a, have a community, have those bros that Dave talks about that you can go and talk to. Um, mental health is something that I, I'm very passionate about and specifically in men. I know it's kind of a taboo topic for men these days. Um, and so Dave really gets into and opens up a lot about just some mental health things that maybe he struggled with. Um, and then as well as things that he's done to help that just, uh, even using the outdoors and hunting to have that space to get away and process things in his head and clear his brain. Um, but like I mentioned, also having a good community of people and friends that he feels like he can go to, um, to talk to about anything and everything. And hopefully by the end of this episode, you feel like Dave's a friend of yours too, and you can reach out to him. But with all that being said, let's get into it. Welcome to the Wild Strength Podcast, where we talk about all things wild and all things strength related. Today, I have on here my good friend, Dave Terry. Um, I asked him what his walk-up song is before we started versus asking it right here, right now. Um, I, I asked this just as kind of like a recap, uh, so you as the listener can really get an idea of who you are listening to before you ever hear them say anything. Maybe his walk-up song relates to you and you're like, yeah, I want to listen to this person. Maybe it doesn't relate and you stop listening or maybe you listen either way. Who knows? But Dave's walk-up song was, oh, I thought I had it pulled up. Oh, here it is. Overtime by Zach Bryan. We're both big Zach Bryan fans and we talk about Zach Bryan a lot. So we're going to hit it off with a little overtime. Just the way it starts. This is fire though. This bowl is red neck. So I can have to play the whole song. <laughs> anyway, we got time. <laughs> we just have our little concert right here. <laughs> All right, we don't have time for the whole song. But if anyone wants to give us free Zach Bryan tickets, we would love you forever. That would be great. <laughs> I wouldn't be upset with you. Honestly, that'd be, yeah. that'd be awesome. That would be great. Okay. As I mentioned, I have my friend on here, Dave Terry. Um, I've known Dave for a few years now. Um, met him through strength and conditioning field and industry um, at a conference a few years back. Um, he spent time coaching in a variety of settings. He's coached for, I think, over 10 years now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so he's got some experience under his belt. He still kind of serves in a strength and conditioning coach advisor type role. 
Um, and then he also is an avid hunter. Um, he's been hunting for all of your life, some of your life, question well, mark. Like five years, it's a new thing. Okay, that's what I thought. I still thought relatively new. Okay. So yeah, so we, we can kind of relate in that we're relatively new to that. Um, and, and we'll get into talking a little bit about that as well. But Dave, I will let you introduce yourself. Good night. All right. Uh, I'm Dave. I'm from the great state of Michigan. Um, but I've been fortunate enough to be in the field of strength and conditioning and human performance and just working with teams for over a little over a decade, which is wild to say, because I still feel like I'm like 27 and totally <laughs> five years. Um, no, it's, it's been awesome. I've had the ability to move a barbell, uh, with weight on it has taken me like around the world, which has been amazing that like something so simple, um, could, could enable opportunities to go to like countries I've never even heard of. I ended up in Montenegro for a couple like a week for three years. So I go like for like nine days every year and teach and hang out. And uh, that was part of the sports diplomacy program the State Department has. Um, so almost like a strength diplomat. Uh, and then even <laughs> yes. going to Japan most recently to teach, teach the ways of the barbell. Um, so it's, it's been a wild world. And like the community that we're in is, is, is awesome with that because you kind of meet people, you talk to people, and then next thing you know, you're you're boarding a jet or you're getting in the jeep and and driving somewhere for an amazing experience. And I think that's something that I don't know if any other field has, you know. And we yeah. talk about it all the time. Like this field is is um, so very unique in that, like it'll it just opens doors. You know, you meet interesting people, you have interesting experiences. And if you're willing to lean into all that and that, what that has to offer, like you can have a wild, wildly strong life. <laughs> yes, yes. A wild strength, a wildly strong life. Um, shameless plug there. Yeah, I think. And that's kind of, as I mentioned before, we started recording, like a big reason I wanted to have you on here is we have so many conversations about strength and conditioning per se, but like how it's brought us so many experiences and how it has awarded us so many opportunities to to meet people to go places and, and we'll kind of get into here in a little bit this whole concept of like a fireside chat with coaches that that Dave has brought up and wants to do at a big conference and just ultimately that's just getting vulnerable with other coaches which is something that coaches struggle with a lot um, and we can maybe talk a little bit about that as well um, but I kind of want to start like so you've been in it for a little over a decade now. Time flies and it's crazy. What got you into coaching originally? And then kind of walk us through how it's changed for you a little bit and then kind of what it means to you now. A loaded question. So the the door that got me in, um, like everyone in the Midwest, I played high school football. You know, I feel like that's everywhere, maybe. Uh, and I had, I had a really, I'd say two coaches that really stood out to me in the way they went about things. And um, one of which was my JV football coach. And he really inspired me to, in the way that like I care, he cared. And that's the one thing we knew he cared and he would, wow. like, we would do anything for him. And mm -hmm. that was just very interesting to see how the mentorship came along and like the life lessons, because it was more than just, you know, the, um, the football game to him. Like I was showed up late to class cause I was walking the girl I was dating in high school to class and showed up late and he like smacked the hell out of me as soon as I walked in. And, um, but he just wanted to teach me a lesson. Like you still got to show up, you know, on time and honor your commitments. And, 
and there was a lot more to that. But the impact that coaches had on me during my like, I guess, formative years really inspired me. And then so when I graduated high school, uh, I actually got invited to come back and coach on the high school staff that I just graduated from. And so I just immediately fell in love with what coaching was. And at that point, it was just fun. Like I really didn't, there was no depth to it yet. You know, it was still just, I was just having fun. And I enjoyed just trying to be there really and just be present with, with folks that needed people to be present with uh, mm -hmm. them. I really just, I had fun with it. And then um, during that time I was actually studying, I was, I went to, my first two years was uh, on a partial woodworking scholarship. So I was actually oh, studying for like management and I was going to go into construction and then the economy tanked and I was like, well, let's see what else is out there. And then we went up going to Grand Valley state and I just stopped coaching all together and just got into um, strength sports. I was actually not strength sports. I was a competitive bodybuilder. Um, yeah, you were. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were. So, but, and then I remember my training partner came home from like internship day. He was a year ahead of me and he was like, bro, we can just go in the weight room and teach people how to lift weights. And that's like a, a real job. They'll pay you American dollars for. And I was like, what? I'm in, let's do it. What? Sign and, me up. Yeah. So then I just showed up in the weight room uh, that day in Grand Haven High School and we just kind of started that. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, why? I don't know. I didn't really have my why yet. I just, your gut knows, so you follow it. And, and it wasn't until I got to Georgetown when I really truly understood what it meant to be a strength coach. And mm -hmm. I realized, I vividly remember this email and Carl Johnson um, was, he was a USA weightlifting champion that year. Uh, in the na like at nationals and everything. So I was like, I'm going to learn weightlifting from this guy. And I emailed him, you know, back and forth, finally got the internship and he emailed me back. He goes, get as strong as you humanly can. So you crush the hands of everyone you meet. And I was like, this is going to be the best summer of my life or the worst. Yes. Um, and <laughs> the family that then came out of what the iron Hoyas is or was, and still very much is like, they are my brothers. Like, um, strength and conditioning, especially the collegiate level. And like there, you weren't paid. Like it was like, they, they paid me subway gift cards my second summer. So I had something to eat and like just the family that came there. And then that started to give me a little bit more of my, why of why I'm a coach, but not only why I'm a strength coach. And then eventually became why I want to mentor other coaches because of what Carl Johnson, Mike Hill and Chris Tolzman did to me at Georgetown was very much handing down knowledge because you can learn a ton from the books, but there's a lot that's unwritten that you can only really learn with weight on your back and weight in your hands and absolutely like falling in love with that process then gave, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit more. Why am I here? Well, I'm here because I'm starting to see how these lessons I'm learning, um, training with Carl and Chris who were like fan, insane weightlifters. Um, the process I'm starting to get a little stronger my clean doesn't look like absolute garbage anymore. I mean, it does now, but like it didn't then. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and just seeing the processes and growth happen and then being like, well, if I can have successes here in the weight room, what does that look like on the outside? And I remember coming back, um, we were at, I think like a Christmas party or something. I was riding with Carl and Carl is like my big brother mentor. And he's like, so are you going to go get your master's? Because Georgetown will pay for you to get your master's now. I was like, no, like I'm, I'm not. Like, I'm not an academic, you know, I'm a weight room guy, right? Like just a weight room guy. I don't want to go to back to school. Like I'll, I'll just fail out. 
right? And mm-hmm. he turned around and he yelled at me. And he's like, you're telling me you don't know what hard work is? Like, I've seen you in the weight room. You just got to do that with books. It's not that hard. Like, you're going to let these kids outwork yeah. you, like you're saying? And I'm just like, oh, I can take these lessons and literally apply them in every area of my life and start to realize like the benefit of process and start to see how that translates into every other area. Um, so then finally I get to the point where I'm the director at Georgetown now, and I've got the opportunity to mentor coaches again. And so the first thing we did day one, you walk through the door, why are you here? Like, cause it's so important to me, like to understand not only why I'm here this summer for this internship, like I'm here to make sure that you guys have everything that they, that you need. I'm here to make sure you understand what coaching actually is. Not just that, like, mm-hmm. oh, you read super training. That's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you read the really essentials. Under- great. Yeah. Understand why they're there, you know? Um, yeah. And I started that conversation off and this will probably go into something we'll talk about later. Um, but that conversation I always started off is this is the best job in the world, but it absolutely mm-hmm. ruined my life. Um, mm-hmm. and they'd look at me like, mm-hmm. what? This is so much fun. I'm like, yeah, I love it here. But like the, my why then changed so aggressively because it was, I realized there was a life outside of coaching and my coaching mm-hmm. why was simply because like these lessons that we can learn in the weight room are so powerful and can be pushed out into every other area, whether it be like, you know, school work, personal development, like relationships, even like they can all be learned, you know? And, um, that like that sort of thing, they realized after, you know, about a year, like, Oh, there's a lot of sacrifices you make to be here. And because we, we love our athletes. And that's the one thing, like we had a staff code when I was there. And like the number one thing was like always lead with love. And it sounds cheesy as hell, but a lot of times that just looked like, honesty, like being honest with someone when they walk through the door. Yeah. Yeah. And, Oh, and like, yeah, the showing you care because you have these, these athletes for an hour and you can make their day better. You can make their day worse. You can make Absolutely. their life better. You can make their life worse. Um, and so I felt like a lot of times we, we would take those hours for granted, you know, cause you're tired, but then like, just have it, like, it was like, have a cup of coffee and wake up. But then at the end of the day, you, you try to make those days better for the athletes and the staff. And then you'd go home and what did you actually have to offer? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of with that last staff that was together at Georgetown, we were very, very close and still are very, very close. Um, I realized that like, I had missed too much outside my life, weddings, funerals, just showing up for, for friends. Mm-hmm. And that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, uh, very fast that year because we had a very real staff and we would talk about those things. And I think that's something like my new why when it comes to coaching is show coaches that like, yes, we are here for these eight, 10, 12, 13 hours, but we also have to be here for 24 hours. You know, even like you have to be present in your life and uh, yeah, yeah, you have to sleep for eight, but that's you being present with what you have to do to be ready. And I think that's kind of where I'm going as far as like my why and mentoring and coaching Mm -hmm. Uh, is kind of asking people like, Hey, what do you, what did you do to make you happy today? Like David Peterson and I, he's over at Virginia High Performance text each other like probably once or twice a week in the mornings, you know, while we're drinking coffee, like, Hey man, what are you most looking for today? What are you grateful for today? And just, it it keeps me in check because I'll hear from him and I'm like, Oh shoot. Like, yeah, that's right. We should do that. A couple of good dudes. What's that? I said a couple of good dudes. 
Yeah, good dudes just doing good things, right? Yeah, good dudes uh, just doing good things. Yeah, I think lots of lots of good things to kind of take away from what you just said. And I'll start first with whoever's listening to this. If you can't, Dave is a good human and he cares a lot about people. Um, and we'll get into this as well after I kind of mentioned a couple other things. I think that us as coaches, and I think any good coach, mentor, leader, I'll even say leader, right? Any good leader, even like you don't have to be in this field. It could be in business or whatever. Any good leader does want to pour into people. They genuinely want people to be better. They want to help people. They want to mentor people, but it's almost always at the cost of themselves. It's at the cost of their own free time. It's at the cost of their own mental health sometimes. And we can get into that too. Um, but you said, I really like how you said that there's so much that can be learned and taken away from just being in the weight room, right? Like the weight room is not just going to sweat. It's not just going to get stronger. It's not just going to look your best. And it's okay if those are why you go. But when you show up, and do something hard day in and day out that starts to play into all other aspects of your life. And I think athletes start to realize that just general gym goers start to realize that, that it does play out in all these other aspects of your life. Um, and then like you had mentioned, you, you always ask whoever you're working with, what is your why or why are you here? And when you have a good person in your life who cares enough to ask those questions, that kind of changes how you think about your day, how you think about what's going on in your life. Because yeah, you you have someone who shows up that is under your guidance. And when they can see, there's a quote that I'm trying to think of that's not coming to my mind, but like something along the lines of like showing that you care. Um, oh my God, now it's going to bother me that it's not coming to my mind. Um, anyways, when you just show up and you show that you care and people see that they're going to want to do things for you and with you, and they're going to want to be on your team at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I kind of want to go back on the concept of, like I said, as people can tell, Dave cares about people. I, I think we relate in that way very much, um, and why we're really good friends, but we both also, getting vulnerable here, struggle with caring about people so much and wanting to help people so much that sometimes it is at the cost of ourselves. Um, Dave, what do you, and I know that's like, we, we've kind of had conversations about this outside of this, but like talk about some things that you've done to not even just like help yourself, but like help build a community to, to kind of, I wouldn't say fix those things, but at least like bring awareness to it because I know that like you've got, like you were just talking about David, a good group of dudes who like you guys get vulnerable with each other. You, you ask the hard questions, you talk about the hard things and you started doing that because you realized how good that was for you guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it actually started when I was at Georgetown. Um, Hill, the director at the time, mm -hmm. like put me in touch with someone it was like, here's a work-life balance mentor, Dave. <laughs> and the first phone call we had, he's like, all right, you're familiar with 531? I'm like, yeah, I'm familiar with 531. Aren't we all? <laughs> all right, name five things you do outside of work. Oof. All right, cool. Name five things. He goes, no, I said outside of work. He's like, you you watch weightlifting. That's that's work. That's your job. You know, you sit there and like you read about weightlifting. That's your job. And I had one thing I did outside of work. 
And then he's like, all right, three, name three attributes that you would like to be remembered as. And I was like, all right. And then he kind of went through and like the one person is who you, you know, you're ultimately becoming. And I was like, I, I only do one thing out of work. Like I thought I was just like, you know, healthy, balanced individual, but like work and life should never be a work-life balance. Like that should never be yeah. something that is equal. Right. Absolutely. Um, and like, I'm all for working hard and hard work, but I'm also for like getting the most out of life. Cause we got one, one spin. Um, one spin. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. One spin. And so it, it turned a lot like uh, George and I started thinking about that and like figuring it out. And I was fortunate enough to have, again, mentors that cared about me and poured into me and taught me a lot of different skills. And then in 2018, my training partner at the time, we trained together the whole time we were at Georgetown. Um, Sean was like, you ever been hunting? I was like, no. He's like, all right, let's go hunting. Like, let's go out in the woods. We'll go. And I like, I think I took heavily armored, like heavily armed naps basically is what I was doing. And I fell in love with it. Just like sitting in the woods, hanging out. And heavily armored was, naps. <laughs> oh, cool. Like that, that's something outside of the weight room that I can do. And then like, oh, there's a new process to learn here because now I'm harvesting meat and I'm processing it myself. And like, I'm starting to see this and appreciate meat because like, this steak that I have in front of me right now, well, I, I saw it when it was alive. Um, and so it's a new respect for like meat and like where that mm -hmm. comes from and learning the process of that and like how I'm going to utilize these different things to fuel my body. Right. But so mm -hmm. that was a cool process to learn outside of work. And it's like, okay, so I've got one that I do for six days a year. So what do I do, you know, daily? And then just kind of kept doing that. And then I really kind of stopped looking outside. I was like, oh, I, I got like friends. I go to food. I go eat. You know, that's that's life. And then um, coach eats. Yeah, I had a food. <laughs> Shout out to strength coach uh, eats. My interns and uh, and I had like a food Instagram there for a bit. And um, then like in 2019, my dad got real sick, and okay. it changed my perspective on work. <laughs> you know, um, so I like. I fortunately, like Georgetown was a great place. I got to go home and I was home for almost like a m little over a month and a half, like spread out through that fall, um, helping out, taking care of stuff. And um, stepping away from the weight room, I realized that there was more to life, right? Like there's more to this. Like I'm needed elsewhere. Like I need to show up in other areas. It's not like, that's not the only thing that matters. And being strength coaches, we get so like single-minded and focused and very like yeah. linear, if you will. Um, Absolutely. And so then, like, I had that great staff there, Andy, Trevor, Nate, Parker, like, Tommy, like, all the boys, Leva, like, all of those boys, like, we're like brothers. Um, and they were very supportive of that, you know, of me, like, dude, you need to go out and do some stuff. And so during COVID, the world shut down, right? So I had an opportunity to live, have this life outside of work. So I started cooking a lot more, falling in love with that process a little bit more rather than just going out to eat. And then um, what ended up sticking was baking focaccia bread. Like, <laughs> yes. I'm probably some this weekend. Um, I make a ton of venison jerky on my smoker. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that process of like messing around and then like with different flavors and stuff. And um, and then, yeah, hunting, reading, and like finding things to really like fill in myself uh, with that. And it's really just finding, making sure I'm doing those things to um, fill up. And then like most recently, I think was uh, fishing, like, cause I can do that. I can just bop out for like five minutes, go fish yeah. real quick. Come back. Really all I'm doing there is doing like breath work, sitting next to a river. I'm not doing much I catching. Stick fish. <laughs> yeah. 
catching a lot of big sticks and then seeing a lot of big bass jump and not bite on anything I'm putting out there. <laughs> um, but like that, that time for me is, is, is very rejuvenating. Just being able to sit and breathe yeah. and like, I don't have to answer my phone. I don't have to do anything. I can just hang out. And that's helped a lot of just like sitting and thinking and processing because I think mm. as coaches, we hit the gas a lot because we're showing up for people. We're showing up and then like take a step back and like, what did I learn from today? How can I get better? Because if we, all we do is pour out and we don't like pause or even like input, you're, mm -hmm. you're left fairly empty. And like, I think we've all been there multiple, multiple yeah. times before we realize yeah. like, I should probably fill back up and like, I need to <laughs> fill back up on water. I haven't drink anything today. It's like um, I'm thirsty. Yeah, so for, I feel like for a podcast, I was like, oh, I'll drink water and look healthy. Um, but yeah, like filling up. So I've had to find those things and it's been an adventure and the importance of them. You know, hopefully there's a lot of life that can get in the way. Uh, or sorry, there's a lot of work that can get in the way of life a lot of the times. And it's time, you know, just setting boundaries with yourself because it's easy to set boundaries like and not follow them, but being like honest, like, hey, I'm going to leave work by you know, three o'clock if I have, you know, nothing to do and I'm going to go home and I'm actually going to be present in my life rather than go just fall asleep on the couch. You know, uh, I'm going to go fish real quick or I'm going to go run to the store and like cook something rad for dinner tonight and just do something to, to benefit. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like that you brought up, um, getting into hunting and the outdoors and how that's helped you as well. Um, and, and you would, you can probably attest to this as much as I can, like it had some, I had something similar happen, like something happened to my life. And it was like, you kind of have to readjust the way you think things, readjust the way you approach things, readjust the way you approach life. And you realize like life is fucking short at the end of the day. So <laughs> I want to do, I just got to a point where, and it, for anyone who's unfamiliar with coaching, like most coaches pride themselves in working 60, 70 hour weeks. And that's what we hang our hat on at the end of the day, because that's, how we make as little money <laughs> as we make sometimes, unfortunately, but we pride ourselves in putting in the hard work. And what you said, showing up for other people and helping people and caring for people. And then it's unfortunate that I think oftentimes it does take something like that to happen and not even just a coach's life, but like anyone's life to really recognize, oh, I've got to take a step back. And I, yeah, I got to a point where I was like, I've spent all of my 20s working my life away. And like, what have I done outside of work and school to really <laughs> make myself happy? And, and, and same thing, it was getting into, I was living in Colorado at the time that all this had kind of went down. And I was, COVID happened, the world shut down, and I had nothing to do but go to the mountains and think. God, I had somewhere like that to go because who knows where my life went, like where my head would have spiraled to. Like I was able to get outside and, and be in the mountains and like remove myself from things sometimes and then really reflect and realize like I do have to fill my cup up. And once I learned how to do that and I kind of got back into like real life started happening again and you're able to be back in person again, I felt so much better at my job and nothing changed other than I was able to do things to help myself. I wasn't only just helping other people. I still was, right? But I felt like I was able to do that so much better because I was helping myself. And, and yeah, yeah, you had mentioned like outdoors and hunting and all of that. Do you, were you more into kind of like outdoors and stuff first? I don't even know that we've ever talked about this before. <laughs> um, before you got into hunting, um, was it kind of like everything happened at once? Like, did you grow up being 
outside camping, any of that as a kid, or you really didn't do any of that till recently? So growing up, there was this like big Creek wooded area okay, right across the street. So my buddies and I, after school, we just go run through the woods. We'd run down the Creek. We would just like, I don't, we'd light little islands on fire and have fires and just like hang out in the woods until we heard yeah. like the dad's whistle for us. And we'd all come running out. Yeah. So like, uh, I, I grew up basically doing that. And, um, and then when I started working, I was in a weight room all the time. So it was like, it's just nice to see like organic like trees, water. Like it's just very relaxing. And like ever since I was like five, a river runs through it has been my favorite movie in the world. Yeah, we've talked about this. <laughs> and like so, like anything that like takes me to that mindset of just like, hey, like it's life, right? Um, I feel like that's the outdoors. Just kind of refreshing, you know. It's like just it's relaxing. I don't know any other way. I like there's probably plenty of depth we can pull from it. Um, but basically, like being outside and just relaxing is it like it's a wellness practice. Everyone has to find their like wellness practice because like life is a sine wave. And um, I went to this course uh, two years ago or yeah, two years ago. And they said like the floor of your sine wave is maintained by your wellness practices. So if you don't do them, you have no floor and like mm -hmm. your lows are, might mm -hmm. be lower. And then like your mentors are your highs, making sure you don't go too high. Right. Like, so that riding that sine wave of life, you have your wellness practice. So like getting outside and just like going for a walk, like that's one I have, if I'm not going to go fishing or like don't have a whole weekend to go hunting and like, I think that's important, you know, finding little ways to like daily, I think Dan, like we're talking strength coach, Dan, John, like he said in presentation, he just find like, find out what's important and do it every day. So like mm -hmm. if, if taking care of yourself is important, you're going to find those little things to do every day because we all, if we could, we would all go do these, like, you know, I would love to go to Nairobi, you know, and go to a safari with my girl or something like that'd be right. <laughs> yeah. But like, <clears throat> what can I do daily to make sure that I'm taking care of myself and having like an adventure? Um, because I think life is supposed to be an adventure. And like, I try to make most of my big decisions on like, what would be a cool next chapter in this one? Um, yeah. And sure. <laughs> actually on that note, most of my life decisions are what would be a cool next chapter. And like, if I had to sit down and look face to face with 14 year old me, would I like jump me for that decision? Or would mm -hmm. I be like, Oh yeah, brother. Good job. Oh yeah, brother. Um, you know, I, I, that's probably how I spoke when I was 14, maybe. Um, <laughs> I bet. Yeah. But I think, yeah, just finding something to do daily. And I think that's where it's easy to get outside, you know, wherever you're at, it's easy to walk outside and all that sort of stuff. And that's just rejuvenating. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, kind of the reflection part and kind of asking yourself a what do I want my next chapter to look like? That's kind of looking forward a little bit. And uh, I know one thing that I struggle with a lot is, is I used to put so much emphasis on what does the future look like? And like so much so that I didn't live in the now and, and to a point where like, if my life pivoted outside of what I thought my plan or my path was, it caused me so much stress and anxiety. Um, and then I kind of, yeah, I have to learn. I have to live in the moment and I can have an idea. Like you said, what is the next, what do I want the next chapter to look like? I can have a broad idea of what I want it to look like and things that I would want to happen. But I also have to understand that life happens and we pivot and things that are unexpected are going to happen. And I can't be stressed because of that. I have to take it and I have to roll with it. But I also like 
the concept of, yeah, what would my 14 year old self like? Would he like, would 14 year old Dave want to do this? Yeah, 14 year old Dave would be fucking stoked. <laughs> We're gonna yeah. do it. And that's kind of, yeah, looking forward and looking back. And I think that's really healthy. Um, sometimes looking back can be really hard, depending on like what prior experiences have been. But I think looking at it from like you said, you're ultimately your inner child, which if that's actually a thing in psychology is like inner child work and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if that's exactly what you were referencing there. Um, but, but that is a real thing for anyone who's like unfamiliar with it, like kind of going back to your inner child and, and like checking in with them and like, would they either be happy with what you're doing? Like, but is it, are you in a good place? Would they be, is this anything like where you thought that you would even be? And that's always like a really cool way um, to reflect on those kinds of things. I kind of want to get into like the community aspect of it as well. Um, we, we've both, we've both talked about this in depth, like a million times, probably um, both in strength and conditioning and in the outdoors and in hunting. I think each of them really has their own community or, or tribe for lack of a better word, whatever you want to call it. Um, but then you put all of those together and it's even a like smaller community of some of the coolest people I've ever met. And like, really my reason in starting this podcast is just, I've met and the people that I have on here, like some of them will have nothing to do with training and human performance. Some of them will have nothing to do with hunting in the outdoors. Some of them will have nothing to do with either. Um, but to be able to bring a group of people who at least have an interest in it or something like that together to talk about them and to have these kinds of conversations is, yeah, that was my, my interest in starting the podcast. Um, but what has that community been for you? What has it been to you? And, and yeah, how has that kind of helped you grow as well? Oh, so that staff that I had last at Georgetown, we all like, just kind of looked out for each other. Right. And we kind of have hard conversations and I think there's something very important um, for men to have hard conversations with other men. Um, mm. That's mm -hmm. something I firmly believe in. And same thing, like, I think I'm just speaking from my, my personal experience. I think that's been mm. very crucial is to have honest conversations with other men that like are there to make you better. And a lot of times, like what that looked like for me is talking about something and then, you know, being held accountable for decisions is the other part is being able to talk and then being held accountable. Uh, so that's one thing, like my, like, white picket fence of people, you know, everyone that's on the inside of that, uh, there's a level of accountability because there's a standard that, you know, my, my dudes know that I want to hold myself to. And if I step outside of that, they're like, Hey Dave, uh, you have 24 hours and I expect you to be like figuring out how to get back. Um, mm -hmm. so like I've gotten knocked down a few times and they were like, that's cool. Like you'll deal with it. And like, we're here for you, but like you still have a standard of who you're trying to be. And that, that's been very crucial in me developing into the man I am today and the man I want to be is that community. Like we've got like bros out there that I can call up and they'll sit and talk to me while I'm sitting there like not doing well. And then it's the same thing too. Like I'm sitting there listening like, all right, dude, like let's, let's do this. And we've had like three hour long conversations, you know, with, with and that's, I feel like that's rare for, for men to at least have. So that community of just accountability and truth to speak into each other and like uh kind of love up on on dude like love up on your bros and i think that's crucial in a lot of the positions that we're in because we're you know working hard and just doing our thing and trying to be better 
folks. And then in general, like with our community that we're in this weird place that we call our like tribe, you know, like, I don't know everyone, but like, I know you when I see you, uh, because we're all yeah. at the freaking events. Um, yeah. you know, like I'm wearing this winter strong shirt, like you show up in that field at winter strong and like David Peterson or, ah, he's going to kill me. I said his last name wrong. David Peterson. <laughs> um, and I showed up and like, went to the tree line. He hung his hammock. I sit on my tent and we looked around. We're like, I don't know any of these people, but they feel like they're ours. You know, like. Did we just ours. become best friends? <laughs> yeah. And so you just like walk around and we ended up uh, being like under the tent because Connor Page from Sornex, mm -hmm. a good buddy of mine too, uh, was there. And then we ended up hanging out with him and then meeting a bunch of people. And like, next thing you know, you're sitting there with like, I remember hanging out with Zach Evanesh. And like, I've looked up to that dude since I was like 19. And then like, we're boys. <laughs> And it's yeah. just this weird community of like meatheads and then like avid hunters and then just like good people that have all like converged into this. And like, yeah, they show up at Winter Strong, but they show up at TSAC. And it's just like most of it shows up on Instagram. And it's mm -hmm. these people that have like encouraged you to go live these experiences that like maybe you're like on the fence about or maybe you have like an ounce of fear you know, and it's just encouraging to kind of be like, oh, no, we're going to go do this. I'm going to do it with you. Um, and that's like I impulsively like I staged the bow for this, you know, the podcast. I impulsively bought that at Winterstrong just because like Connor's like, let's go bow hunting sometime. And then um, David was like, yeah, Dave, I'll take you out. We'll go hunting out west bow hunting. I'm like, let's go. And then I haven't shot it since um because i like but these are good dudes that i want to go bow hunting with so i'm gonna get a bow <laughs> exactly. i just wanted to fit in and i like the like shooting the bow for two days with connor i was like this is a very like this is a process i'm curious about this is very like soothing on my mind for some reason and mm -hmm. i think just being around good people that challenge you to do new things uh do mm -hmm. like things that are good for you and then to mm -hmm. remind you that hey this is not why we like don't do this. This is why we don't do this. Do you remember? Like, oh yeah, dude, I, you know, learned that. And I know like you and I've had hours of conversation about like anything under the sun. And that's the other thing I love about this community is the ability to talk with majority of anybody about mm -hmm. real stuff. Yeah. Um, that's Absolutely. something that I'm very guilty of. And up until recently, I've been wildly uncomfortable with um is talking about certain and now you're on a podcast talking about yeah it. <laughs> talking about certain specific things and um i finally started talking about it and it's been like hard um and i think being in this community it definitely feels better because you're around individuals that are also doing it and that's where i realized i'm like like i was talking to someone within the community and they're like dave you need to talk to like you need to talk to like talk about this because you're obviously unwell I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting on this yeah. log through two lures <laughs> into the trees and I gave up fishing for today. Uh, I'm not doing well with this and I don't want to talk about it. And they're like, do you feel better? I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to. Like, I don't want to talk about this. And, I, and that's the other part of the community. So I think that's a long, unorganized answer of great people that hold you accountable. Yeah. Um, and that like, there's just a mutual unspoken understanding and I think a lot of it has to do with either a you've like physically done something hard with that person and you're like, Oh, we understand each other. Or, you know, like who that, like you just, there's a mutual understanding. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think going through, I've kind of, I've given a presentation on this a, a little bit and actually recently kind of wrote about it in a blog as well. Um, the social aspect, the community aspect of just like physical fitness and exercise in general. If you go and do something hard with other people, you're going to feel good about yourself for doing it. And then you're going to feel this sense of community and you, and they're going to bring more to you as well. Um, if you go outdoors with other people, like just having those people in your life that you can talk to, that you can do things with is huge. And I think at least from my perspective, more and more people, especially in this age of social media, are becoming more and more isolated. And it's easy to stay at home. And it's easy to just talk to people through Instagram. It's easy to just talk to people through text message and, and all that stuff. And and granted, like I have friends, including you, all over the country. And sometimes that's the only way that you can communicate. Um, but we'll pick up the phone and call each other or FaceTime. We, we try to see each other whenever we can. Um, but yeah, I think more so in this day that, than ever, people are becoming isolated and, and having these odd relationships, we'll call them, and, and relationships includes like friends and everything, not just romantic partners, um, through technology. Um, and, and not as often anymore are people being outside and, and actually interacting with other people. Um, but I do want to, you had mentioned... Um, and a very true statement, how it is hard for men to have hard conversations with other men. Um, and just from an outsider's perspective as a female, like I recognize that and I see time and time again, how like, if you were to be a fly on the wall watching a group of girls hanging out and a group of guys hanging out, the kinds of conversations you would hear are totally different. Like girls want to tell each other everything about their lives and guys want to shoot the shit. And there's nothing wrong with either of those, right? Um, but there was a, a podcast I was listening to not long ago, um, called we are man enough. Um, I highly recommend it to anyone. You don't have to, to any man or woman. There's a female as a host and the two other men. Um, and it's basically just getting vulnerable as men and what that looks like and how like the, the role that the women play in that as well. Um, but anyways, the, the chick that's on it was saying that female friendships are so, vulnerable and we have such deep friendships and such deep relationships that a in terms of like finding a romantic partner it can be hard because we know what we have in our friendships and we want that in our romantic partners as well so it's hard sometimes to find maybe a male who can have those kinds of conversations but also for men like man to man it's they don't understand the kind of relationships that we have with our female friends because they are such deep relationships. So like, and not, it doesn't necessarily have to be a question, but yeah, you, you mentioned that you, you do appreciate those like vulnerable man to man conversations that you can have. And I hope like a goal for me and I have so many male friends and that I always try to tell them it's easy. And I've been told it's easy for, men to open up to women because they f they feel safe in a way like it's a soft safe place uh but i think more importantly they should open up to other men because there are more men who can relate to the things that they are going through than are women who can relate to those things how do you and i know you said you have good friends in your life who are who have encouraged you to do that and who help you do that but when you encounter maybe someone who struggles with that 
how have you kind of like encouraged them or helped them to just be more vulnerable for lack of a better way to put it and just like have those conversations? I'm going to rewind to like the genesis of my realization of like, Oh, I need to be vulnerable. So like I was the football strength coach at Georgetown and um, Andy Holmes was my, like, was my like brother there. And uh, things weren't good. One lift, like things weren't good. I didn't know what was going on. It was a Sunday lift. And I was like pretty emotional, like trying to hold it together. Um, Cause we, my dad just got put, put on the transplant list. Like we found out like if he didn't get a transplant, he wasn't going to be around next year type stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I got him from the team. I was like, Hey guys, like good lift today, but I need to be honest with you. Like, I'm not going to be here probably next week. Um, and then just boom, lost it. And had a hard time. It, it took me a minute to like get out the next part of that sentence. And, um, you know, that was just me being real. And Andy encouraged me to be real. And after lift that day, three, three athletes stayed back. And I was like, why? Like, what, what's up, guys? And they're like, I, they're like, I need someone to talk to. I was like, about, well, and they're like, I got something going on. And like, you obviously do too. And I feel like you relate. And I was like, what? And so like, we sat back and we had com- real conversations and they were going through very similar stuff of parents being very, very sick. And I realized the need for like, just strong dudes to be strong dudes and actually like mm-hmm. through and through be strong dudes and be like, these are emotions. Hi, they are uncomfortable. And I, I don't like them, but like they're here and I, I can like, I know this sounds crazy, but as a man, I, I, I feel something other than anger. This is wild. Um, and it's, um, that was my aha moment. And mm-hmm. then like, I had like my close friends that I would talk to about life, but then realizing like, maybe like in my, my mentor, like role, I need to talk about why we need to do that. And then with that is came a lot of just deep conversations within that like picket fence of people of very real stuff. Um, and I think the importance of that is having someone that understands like deeply understands you. And then also someone that like is going to tell you the truth. Cause like if mm-hmm. like, you know, if, if a person I'm in a relationship with, you know, tells me the truth, there's a, there's a chance I might be like, well, I didn't want to hear that from you you know, and not actually hear what I needed to hear. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas like a good brother that, you know, is going to be with you through thick and thin, like, and he tells you, Hey, like you're fucked up or like, Hey, like, I love you. Like you need, you needed to hear that. And um, you know, you need to kind of talk about this a little bit more with me because we got like, you just need to get it out. And having guys that'll hold you to that and be there for you is huge because I know like it was, it was very interesting because we all got together. Um, like three or four of us were very tight growing up since we were like in like first grade. And then um, he passed away and we all got together and we we're sitting around like a bonfire and just sharing stories. It's one of those nights where like my eyes burnt and my stomach hurt the next day. Cause I was laughing and crying so hard, but um, being with those dudes that understood a, that we lost like a dude that our brother that we grew up with B we're there for all those memories. And then also understood me laughing, you know, at some of this stuff rather than like 
well, you know, and so just kind of being understood and going through that sort of shared stuff, like having those dudes that are close to you um, helps go through that. Because like yesterday I texted that same group. I was at the fire. I was like, Hey, um, you know, hope you all are doing well. Some memories popped up on Facebook, high school football from like, you know, 15 years ago. Right. And um, just reminded me of all this stuff. And it's just very much like, I need those dudes to go through life and like having that support that I know I can like fall back on and relax and they can kind of cover, you know, hell if I need, need anything, I know I can call like these three dudes and things like I'll have that. And I feel like that's something that intimacy almost in relationships and that like true, true brotherhood is, is very rare. And I've been fortunate enough to have like a whole hell of a lot of brothers in that. Um, and then, you know, on the other hand, too, like having, you know, a dude be like, hey, I got nowhere to stay. Like, all right, cool. Come live with me for a little bit. And they mm -hmm. come hang out and stay. And like, cool, I got a dude stays with me for like a couple of weeks. And that's something I did at Georgetown all the time. Like we, <laughs> it was joked, there was a strength coach orphanage uh, because we had people roll through just when <laughs> things got tough and they just needed a place to crash for a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. We once had like, I want to say we had like six coaches staying at this house in a two bedroom house. It was great. Mm -hmm. um but Love i think that. the importance of community is i think especially after covid we realized how important it was and then mm -hmm. i just think for for guys to be around other strong guys it's just it's just encouraging is really all it comes down to um yeah yeah I think no, I love that. I think not even just the sense of someone, it, it is great to find someone who can, you can relate to who share similar stories. It kind of makes it a little bit easier to open up in that way. But I think at the end of the day, man or woman, people just want someone who's going to listen. And when you can provide that space for someone to just share their story, like, you said you, you had a couple athletes who were going through something similar with their parents, like you were with your dad. And that helps tremendously. Um, but I, I had a couple athletes in the past who I could not relate to what they were going. And this was kind of like a learning experience for me. I couldn't relate to what they were going through in the story that they were telling me. Uh, and I kind of felt bad because I, I wanted to right? a part of me being, just wanting to help was like, God, I, how could I put myself through that or something similar so that I can relate? But that's not what we have to do as caring people who want to help or as coaches or leaders or whatever who want to help. I think just providing that, yeah, that safe place at the end of the day for someone to feel comfortable and sharing something that's vulnerable. Um, I've been in situations where I was working with special operations unit and a guy had come up to me and told me this kind of story about a deployment that had kind of wrecked his world. And at the end of the story, he says, I've never told that to anybody. My wife doesn't even know this. <laughs> and I kind of looked at him and I was like, first, I I'm so glad you were able to say this because I can tell like the way he was telling the story, his shoulders were like in his ears, right? And as it's coming out of him, you see, like literally, I'm not kidding, you see his shoulders just kind of start to like go down. And, and I said that, I'm like, I can tell by the way you're holding your body that you feel better that you just said that. Um, and, and I hope that, I, I guess I'm so glad you felt that I gave that space to you. I hope that you continue now to take 
how you feel after sharing that with me and share that with more people. Share those kinds of things with your family. Share those kinds of things with your buddies in the team room. Share those kinds of things with your family and just simply getting them out and talking about them or write them down. Journaling is huge too. If you're, if you're not, and this is for like anyone who's listening and maybe you're on a mental health journey, maybe you're not, maybe you're trying to figure some things out. If you aren't comfortable yet sharing with somebody, write it down because I think today a lot of the like mental health problems that we have are because we live in our own heads and we live in our own worlds and we don't do anything about it and we medicate it thinking that's what's going to solve the problem and then even medications aren't solving the problem. Um, So I think just, yeah, simply getting it out, writing it down, talking to someone. But yeah, being that safe space, and and I keep using the phrase safe space for lack of a better one, um, for someone to just talk to. Uh, and, and I know, and, and maybe <laughs> this is me making an assumption, so correct me if I'm wrong. Do you feel, and for the, if you don't know Dave and you can't tell by watching the video, he's a big burly man, doesn't look like someone who would be so, soft and sweet when you meet him, but he can what be. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, but he can be. Um, do you find it, hard for athletes or whomever to at least initially be comfortable with you to talk about these kinds of things? Or do you feel like you've kind of, like you've kind of mastered creating that space from the beginning? I mastered it. I've I've been great at it ever since I started. Yeah. Dumb question. So so, I'm going to start with another story. So when like, so in 2022, I had some stuff happen, uh, and I wasn't talking about it. I just shut down. And yeah. I, luckily, I had someone that cared about me enough to be like, hey, Dave, you're not you're not even handling this. You just put it in a box and put something heavy on it and shoved it down deep. And I was like, yes. Um, so she sent myself and a couple buddies to this two-day place uh, where we thought it was something. And when we got there, they were like, so what are you struggling with? And we're like, everything's fine. And then, you know, can't pick up the weights. <laughs> yeah, like, what are you actually struggling with? I was like, oh, like death. Like, people are dying on me, and I, I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're dying like way too many, way too fast. Mm-hmm. And um, so, at the end of that two days, we had this thing like a labyrinth. So you like walk and just kind of maze. And before you entered the labyrinth, the, the guy that was running the course said like all these positive affirmations. Um, I didn't remember a lick of what he said. I wasn't listening. Like, unless he told me something constructive, I was like, Phew, not listening to anything nice anyone has to say. Um, which <laughs> I realized I was like, that's probably not great. And then they handed you like mm-hmm. a rock. So you had this like big, uncomfortable rock that you had to carry through the labyrinth. And each of us had one. Okay. And he said, just go sit it down. And I want this to be like the weight that you have by like what you said you came here to kind of like figure out how to process this is that weight i just need you to sit it down in the middle got it too easy we all got to the middle the three of us who are all very close like one of them was one of my my best buddies we all looked out didn't look at each other and held on to our rocks they were big uncomfortable rocks we just held on to them Mm -hmm. and until one person turned around and put theirs in the middle 
And then we just, we, the other two of us just sat it down and then we walked out of the labyrinth. And then afterwards I was like, oh, so like until someone puts their rock down, people will sit there and hold on to that weight until they feel comfortable enough. Once they see someone else puts their rock, put their rock down. Mm. I was like, oh, that's a heavy lesson to learn like really quickly because I wasn't comfortable sharing like what I had going on until I found like, until the leader shared what he had going on. And I was like, all right, yeah, like freaking people are dying on me and I don't know what to do. Um, and then that like sort of sharing like, oh, this is, this is what you have to do to kind of show that vulnerability. And like, you know, sometimes it's athletes, but a lot of times it's like other folks that like are just other coaches that we work with in the field. Um, mm-hmm. gotta be like, Hey, this is what's going on with me. Like, Oh shoot. This is what's going on with me. Like with whatever and specifically, um, sharing those, like just getting a little bit open about what's going on is, is opened up doors to really get some great advice, you know, like trying to figure out, <laughs> trying to figure out dating, you know, and then you're talking to like, here's what's work. Here's what doesn't, here's why I got yeah. divorced. Here's why this, like, not that I got divorced, I've never been married, but like listening to buddies that have gone through this and like what to look mm-hmm. for, what not, to, how to do this the right way. And just like le- lessons learned. And then like how to, the biggest thing for me is like, I reached out to a guy I really look up to and I was like, dude, I don't know what to do right now because like, there's just this weight of loss on me and I don't know what to do with it. And he said three things. He goes, number one, talk about it. Like, get it out. Like, just tell the stories. Like when you feel like you want to talk about it, do it. Don't be afraid because you feel like emotions coming out Two, When the emotions come out, don't push them back down. And I was like, what, you know, and just the way to like kind of process that, that everyone goes to at some point and like, it's the tough thing to do to, you know, shove it down and not deal with it. And then, then sometimes you have to do that. You know, you have to put it down, but eventually you have to pick that back up and then mm-hmm. look at it. I think that's where kind of the realization of like, yeah, sometimes people aren't ready to talk about it, but then eventually like, just making space for that to show up. And that's something that I've been very fortunate. Like someone very close to me recently was like, Hey Dave, um, you like haven't spoken in a complete sentence about some stuff um, that I can tell is bothering you. So like, I just want to let you know, like I'm here um, for whenever that you are ready to talk about that. And I was like, Oh, like I definitely want to talk to this, you know, with her, like, I'd love to do that now. And that's all it took was something as simple mm-hmm. as that. And like, that's a lesson learned for me too. Like, Hey bro, like I'm here for it whenever. And like, which reminds me of the, like, Oh, the nobody cares work harder. Like oh. it's all over <laughs> and stuff. It's like, Oh, no one cares. Like, oh, I fucking care. Like care a lot. Like work harder though, too. Like you probably should work yeah. a little harder. I but, care, like, but work harder. <laughs> yeah, like, you probably work a little harder because I care. And then, you know, like, yeah do that. So I think a lot of those, and again, coming back to lessons learned in the gym is like leaning into the reality of what that is. And the weight room tells you a lot of truth and exposes you to like what truth actually is. And I think a lot of times is we, we can live in like half truths, like, Oh, like I'm fine. Like, you know, everything, you know, I, this doesn't bother me. Well, it's just making me a little anxious. It's like, well, what's the truth of this? Why are you anxious? And like, mm-hmm. that's a lesson I learned. Like when you unrack 600 pounds, it's still 600 pounds. And like my self-talk when I unrack heavy weights is this is heavy, but you also train for this to lift heavy weights. That's the goal. 
So it's like, that's something I've taken into a lot of these things. Like, yes, this is a heavy thing going on right now, but like, that's part of this life that you want to live and get the most out of it and the depth out of it. Mm. So like, yeah, this is what you're here for. It's not, it's not necessarily bad. It's just uncomfortable and really mm. sad maybe, but like you, you want to get the most out of it. And then, so like those lessons I'm learning, like, okay, I remember oh, TSAC 22. I remember mm -hmm. being so sad when it was over because like we all got so close because we were like just in the middle yeah. of San Antonio. Best like, conference ever. <laughs> yeah. And like we were just like, this was the best summer camp. But why? Well, we all had like really randomly weird deep talks. We all bonded over like training hard and having fun. Mm -hmm. And like it wasn't heavy, but it was like deep. And I think that's the other thing too that gets um confused a lot of times is like just because it's deep people are like oh it has to be a heavy talk like no mm -hmm. i like light deep talks too like those are those are just as uh connecting and i think as people we want to be very connected to one another um, yeah and i think that's something that like the opening of those conversations sharing stories reveal like understanding what truth is and sometimes it's uncomfortable but like that's a lesson we can pull out of the weight room and pull into hunting relationships like truth living in truth what does that look like for me well like reminding myself to tell myself the truth of the situation is like, mm -hmm. like talking about like a lot of times like hey i'm gonna plan this like what's the truth i have no control of my future that's the truth <laughs> and like Absolutely. there's a lot of freedom in that and a lot of peace that you can have by just really being honest with yourself of mm -hmm. like i get that like today i didn't want to train at all i didn't want to do that's why I'm fidgeting because my back's a little tight. But I was like, mm -hmm. I'll just do this. And then you do a little bit and you're like, all right, fine. I'll do the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing in life, right? Like, I don't want to do this. All right, I'll do a little. All right, I love, like, that's right. I love this. Yeah. Yeah, I think as you just kind of get the ball rolling sometimes, right? And just mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to start and everyone can relate to that. But once you start, it's kind of motivating what you start. And I, I touch back on kind of what you said, the story that you were telling as far as like putting the rocks down and you're like, oh, we can put this weight down. But and but I felt like I had to be strong and carry all this weight just like everybody else. And I felt like I couldn't put this weight down. And, and unfortunately, that's kind of what society tells us. Eh, maybe not society, I guess, but there are big names that people want to follow. <laughs> David Goggins. Um, that preach that like, stay hard, stay heavy, like you can't be vulnerable, you can't be soft, you have to work your ass off all the time. And sometimes that's that's a good mindset to have. I'm not knocking it by any means. And I like to do hard things. I like to do stuff that I am like, man, this is going to suck so bad. And I'm only doing it because I hate myself. Like it happens sometimes we all do it. Mm -hmm. um, but to live that as a lifestyle, to have that be your mindset day in and day out and think that you can't set these heavy rocks down and you can't share these things with people is, yeah, once again, what leads to, I think, so many mental health issues, relationship problems, friendship issues, all that miscommunication ultimately is what these things are um, because, because people oh, no, never, never happened to me. <laughs> um, yeah. Miscommunication is what it is at the end of the day, because people aren't communicating truly what they're feeling and because they don't know how to, right? Like you said, you were like, Oh, I'm feeling something other than anger. <laughs> like, and, and for the longest time too, I didn't have words for emotions that I felt. 
right? Like going to therapy and talking to a therapist and learning words for she would the ultimate therapist question at any point in any session is like, so how do you feel about that? It's like, I have feelings about it. I don't know how to tell you. <laughs> like, I don't know how to put into words because I don't have words for the emotions and the feelings that I'm feeling. And I think yeah, putting words to it and talking it out with other people can be really big. Uh, but yeah, we this has been great. We're coming up on an hour here. And I think with the question that I ask everyone at the end of this, you've probably even answered it throughout this recording so far. Um, but I'll bring it to you anyways. Uh, what does wild strength mean to you? You can touch back maybe on some things that you've already mentioned if you want to. You can take it a totally different direction. Yeah. Um, no, I think it really comes like wild strength in general. Like strength, I'll start with that one, is the like really just being honest with yourself, like the truth. I think there's a lot of truth in strength. And mm -hmm. because at the uh, Henry Rollins talks about like, it doesn't, I don't care if you're like, what do you, I don't remember that. I'm going to butcher the quote. Basically, I don't care if you're the poorest person on the earth or the richest, you're a king or you're like, you know, a peasant. The 200 pounds is 200 pounds at the end of the day. Like when you go into the weight room, it's it's the truth. And I think mm -hmm. there's like, when I hear like strength, it's synonymous with like truth and, and mm -hmm. being honest with yourself. And a lot of that of like <laughs> throwing weight on the bar. And it's like, can I do this or not? Can I do this or not? Well, let's find out. And the whole point of it is uh, to improve, to add. And mm -hmm. like as life, we're looking to add to, right? So that's like strength in general. And then when you throw the wild aspect on it, I think that is the reality of things. Mm -hmm. Of it being, you know, uncontrolled, untamed, and kind of unexplored. Because at the end of the day, like, we can have an idea of what the future is going to look like. But if you told me like that, this would be our future four years ago, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, so I think like the wild strength is just very much, it's a path we're all on and like, yeah, it's a barbell and it's, it's the mm -hmm. woods, you know, that we, we all love, but it, it's, it's the depth of what the lessons that we can pull out and transfer into the rest of our life from the barbell, from, you know, stalking white tail, not stalking, but like, <laughs> waiting around for whitetail, you know, like, what can I pull from all this? And um, I think a lot of that wild strength is literally just like reminding myself to like, there's untamed, unexplored areas that you need to find uh, out there and have fun both like internally and externally. And like the strength you want to train to make sure that you have the ability to like, go do whatever you want, both like physically, help physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, like, mm -hmm. it's all training at the end of the day, like, I was reading somewhere like even like the best relationships are like fit people. You can tell because they work at it. Um, so a lot of that comes mm -hmm. down to, you know, chasing that. And I feel like when I hear wild too, I think of pursuit. So like the wild pursuit of strength. So yeah, basically Gosh. just like wild truth. Yeah. Uh, I love this question and it's my favorite and the answers that I get from people make me emotional sometimes because, and in a good way, um, because it's, it's kind of a spin like last minute before I like sat down to record my very first episode, like guest episode, I was like, oh, I'm just going to throw this in there and see how it goes and see if it hits. And it has made me have such an appreciation for the name. Like the, the name obviously was because I like being outdoors and strength and conditioning is a passion of mine, 
But because I've taken it beyond that with this question and the kind of answers that I get just like fires me up, Dave. It fires me up. People have such great answers to it. And and I didn't know like how people were going to answer it because you could 100% have said wild strength to me is hitting a new PR in the weight room, which is cool too. Like that's okay. Yeah, that's absolutely wild strength. But not no one yet has been very surface level with it and it fills my cup it makes me happy (laughs) um dave i know you're not super active on social media or anything like that but if you want to where can people find you if they want to reach out to you if you have a bro who wants to have a bro talk with you where can they find you uh i drink coffee over at weird brothers coffee down the street so you can just find where you're located (laughs) in virginia um No, uh, this is go so have cheap. coffee with Dave. Go to Virginia, yeah. have coffee yeah. with Dave. You have a cup of coffee with me, or just come over. We'll sit on the deck. I started roasting my own coffee. That's something I've been doing to take care of myself. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Got a ton of new Peaberry and Yergeshefian. So maybe no. Um, Dave Terry sixteen on Instagram. Just sliding those DMs, man. Or sliding his yeah. DMs, hit him up. Great guy. And yeah, you, you've heard him talk about this entire time, like having those, those vulnerable conversations. And and I've heard him tell stories of ones he's had with really good friends. Um, So if you're in a place where you're looking for just somebody to chat with, I hope you feel comfortable reaching out to big old burly Dave. He can be be soft if you need him to be. Um, Thank you guys again so much for listening to today's episode of the Wild Strength Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Dave as much as I did. Um, that is pretty much what all of our phone calls sound like, um, although most times we we do get into some heavier, deeper conversations on the phone. Uh, just a great person that I'm thankful to have in my life, and I'm so thankful for friends who are willing to be vulnerable and who are willing to have those conversations. Uh, those really fill my cup, and I, I love those intimate friendships um, with the people that I do have in my life. If you could show your support by following the wild strength podcast on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Spotify or Apple podcasts, whatever platform you like to listen to, um, drop a comment on Instagram. Uh, I try to respond and be as social as I can on there. And, uh, I hope you keep tuning in to these episodes. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.